You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, you must be your servant and to be served, but to serve and to, sorry, and whoever wants to be, the, to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, life as a ransom for many. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you this morning. So in our uh, sermon series for the first quarter of uh, 2018, we have been feasting on some sumptuous spiritual food. Uh, we begin uh, with uh, what we talked about in January, with our identity as the church, our identity as God's people, as God's family, and as the body of Christ. And then in February, we looked into Jesus calling us to enter his kingdom by building on the rock. And in March, we talked about our influence and our impact on this world as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, we say that as Christians and as salt and light, we, um, we preserve this world for God as we shine our lights to people. And we say that this world is dark. This is a dark world in that this world only knows the dark of night. And that's what, that's what they see. But the night begins to shine as day when we as Christians shine our light to them, when we show them what we are all about. And in the past two weeks, Sean told us about the two things that we can show the world as uh, our light to them in our unity, in our love towards each other. And when, we, when they see that, when people see that, they see the light of Jesus. And, and when that happens, God is glorified. See, we still have one last spot here left in our series. And today we will conclude our church, God's Kingdom series. And as we do so, we will continue to feast on some powerful spiritual food today. And as we uh, do that, uh, we are going to continue to eat fresh from the, from the bread of life himself. We are going to look into, in, into our final lesson this morning by uh, looking into that one big thing that makes us Christians have this powerful potential influence into the world. See, uh, Jesus tells us that we are salt and light. That is huge. That's tremendous. As Christians... When we hear that, we should, we should uh, rest assured that God sees us. Jesus sees us as uh, people who are very important and crucial in this world. He gave us such amazing, powerful roles to play in this world, salt and light. And as Christians, we have Jesus in our hearts. And not only that, as Christians, we have God himself living in our bodies through his Holy Spirit. And if we have those two things, Jesus and God, we have influence. And if we have influence, we are leaders. I'm going to say that again. If we have influence, we are leaders. Okay? And Jesus talks about that in our scripture reading this morning. He talks about being great in his kingdom and being 
first in his kingdom. He talks about leadership. And as we look into that, and as we delve into our final lesson this morning, we are going to look at that particular uh, fact that makes us very impactful in this world. The fact that we as Christians are called to be servant leaders. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. But one of the things that we could have as a reaction to the, to the pronouncement that all of us are leaders could be this. It could be this. It could be, really? Influence? Me? Leader? Me? I don't think so, Jay. Like, leave me out of that. I'm a Christian, yes, but I'm no leader. I'm going to tell you today that, well, I'm going to encourage you today to humbly say that if we think that way, to bottle up, to put that thought aside and say, no, that is not how we should think about our leadership as the people of God. Instead, I would suggest and I would recommend, I would encourage you to think instead, really, Jay, I'm a leader? How so? Please show me. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We are going to really be convinced this morning that we have been called to be servant leaders and God has equipped us to do this every day. What we're going to do to do that is we are going to look at the elements of servant leadership and how it affects us today in our lives, especially here in Manitoba. Okay, we're going to do that. So first, we're going to look at the first elements of servant leadership that Jesus tells us in our scripture reading this morning. The first two verses tell us that. Matthew 20, 25, and the first part of verse 26. Jesus says, The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. So Jesus here is telling his disciples how to lead. The kind of leadership that he wants his people to have. But before we get into the details... I'd like to ask the question, oh, I'd like for us to ask the question, what led Jesus to talk about this subject to his disciples? What made Jesus talk to them about leadership, about being great, about being number one? Let me preface that by saying that as people of God, as Christians, sometimes our selfish selves get in the way. Sometimes our egos get in the way. And we could tend to look at Christianity as a competition amongst ourselves. In our efforts to become the best that we can be for God, in our efforts to become the best ministers or servants that we can be in the kingdom of God, we, tend, we sometimes could fall into the trap of thinking that there's rivalry amongst ourselves. Do you guys, do you guys see that? See, that is fair because that's what the apostles of Jesus at the time were doing. The 12 apostles of Jesus were seeing their service in Christ as a competition, as a battle to go to the top. It's like a career for them, right? And we see that in the preceding verses, starting in Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. So Zebedee's sons, we know from Scripture, are James and John. And they were with their mother to go to Jesus to ask him for something. Verse 21, we read, what is, your, what is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine 
may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now we know what James and John's mom was, ask, was asking here. She was asking for something huge. To sit at the right and the left of the king at his throne, that is some amazing, outstanding position of leadership. And that's what she wanted for her sons to, to, to have. But see what uh, Jesus uh, answered here in verse 22. You don't know what you are asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? I mean, James and John's mother here, uh, it's good that she's involved in, uh, in her son's life here, but she didn't know what she was asking for. And in fact, Jesus says, well, are you guys able to suffer what I'm about to suffer? That's what the cup here is talking about. Are you, going, are you going to be able to go through what I'm going to go through? And they said, we can. They answered. In verse 23, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. So Jesus here was gracious to them. We know that they would not, they didn't go through what Jesus went through on the cross and, and all, that other, and all those other things. But he was gracious to them. Yeah, you will suffer. Yes, definitely, you will suffer. But he continues, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Jesus was even humble enough to defer that decision in his kingdom to his Father, saying, that's not mine to give. God has appointed someone you know, for, for, the, for these four people, and it's for him to grant, not mine. Now, if you're one of the twelve if you're one of the ten apostles listening to these two apostles do this, what would you think? What would you think about these two people of James and John? You probably think, ah, oh, these guys think that they're better than us. These guys think they're like number one and number two in command. What about us? That's fair because you know what? In verse 24, that's exactly what happened. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They were displeased with them. They were a bit upset. Now, there's some you know, potential for conflict here, right? But Jesus, being the amazing leader that, that he is, brings them together to him and, 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 and discusses with them what leadership must be like in his kingdom. Right? And this is the start of our scripture reading this morning. Jesus tells them the type of work that they need to have, the type of attitude that they need to have in terms of being great and being number one. Jesus tells his disciples and tells us in verses 25 and 26 that the Gentiles, the world at large, I mean, it, the Gentiles just re really mean if, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. So the Roman world, the Greeks, the Samaritans, and every other culture or civilization at that point that's not Jewish. He was saying that all of these people, the world thinks of authority, and leadership, and headship, and power differently. They look at that as something to be grasped. They look at that as something to brag about. I don't know if you, uh, it's the same thing in this, in this world, in our culture today. I don't know if, you have, if, you have, if you've met bosses, if you've had bosses, who would always seem to remind his people that, hey, you are my subordinates, you are the workers, and I, I am the boss, and I am the guy who barks orders. I am the guy that you serve. Back then, that was the going rate of leadership. And even today, it's like that. Right? There's this hierarchy. 
But Jesus tells them in verse, the first part of 26, not so with you. Not with you. Not with us. Jesus says that our leadership will not be marked by status. It will not be marked with our egos. We will lead humbly, not like the world. The world is, uh, is, is different. And essentially, Jesus here is telling us that our first element to be servant leaders is humility. And the world thinks differently about humility. In the world, humility is not a virtue to be coveted. It is a debilitating uh, characteristic. It is a hindrance to success. It is a weakness. To them, if you're humble, it means, well, you probably have not achieved anything, you have not done much, and you probably don't amount to anything if you're humble. But not so with us. We will not lead like that. We will lead with humility. See, Jesus is an amazing teacher. The best teacher ever. Because number one, he tells us what to do. And number two, he shows us how to do it. We only need to look at him to know about humility. Look at Philippians 2, 5-7. to Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Philippians, tells us here that we should have the same humility as Jesus. Jesus took his deity aside so that he can come to earth to become a human being like all of us. That is the kind of humility that we need to have if we are going to lead in his kingdom. If we are going to be number one, or if you are going to be great in his kingdom, we need all to be humble. Now, in the next two verses, in the second part of verse 26 and in verse 27, Jesus tells us the essence of leadership. Jesus tells us the essence of our influence. How should we actually lead? Right? What should we do in order to lead? We know that we do it in humility, but what should we actually do that will mark our leadership? Let's look at that. Verses 26 and 27 of Matthew 20, he says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Jesus tells us that the second element of our servant leadership is service. We need to serve. This is the crux of our leadership. This is what's going to determine how we lead, is our service. Right? So let's look at it now, so far, what we have seen. Jesus told us that we need to be humble. And as we lead, we need to serve. This is the crux of our influence to people, is our service. Not our status. Right? Not what we are, not who we are. It's our service. It's what we do for them. And we do it humbly. So Jesus is telling us that if you want to lead in my kingdom, if you want to be part of my kingdom, you have to serve with humility. Humble service is what's going to 
define us as Christians. That's why we call it servant leadership. Servant leadership. Now, Jesus tells us something amazing in verses 26 and 27. He explains this concept by calling us the two things that he would always use to talk about service. Okay? In verse 26 and 27, he says, we need to be a servant. The first thing that he tells us, we need to be a servant. This word here translated in the Greek is this word, diakonos. And you guys can probably appreciate that word. That's where we get our word deacon from. It literally means servant. Diakonos was used in the time of Jesus to refer to people who voluntarily served others. If we are going to be servant leaders, we need to be willing volunteers. Not forced, willing volunteers. But look at the second part of what Jesus says. If we are going to serve in this kingdom, we also need to be slaves. You know what slaves are. Slaves have to work. That's what they do. They are obligated to work. Slaves are dedicated and devoted to their masters, disregarding their will, disregarding their freedom, disregarding what they want. It's all about their master. Now look at that. That word slave in the Greek is doulos. It's literally a male servant. You know what a female servant is? Yes, doula. You know what a doula does today? They help expectant mothers give birth. Back then, doulas, that's what they did. And they called them physician slaves. That's what they did. They helped their master's wives give birth. And we, we have that today. But as doulos, we are slaves. Now what is Jesus telling us here? If we put those two together, diakonos and doulos, to have a picture of our service, that means... We need to voluntarily force ourselves to work. I know it sounds weird, but that is the service that we need to render in the kingdom of God today. Willing volunteers who obligate ourselves to serve. Do you remember Sean's message to us last week? His message about love and obedience? Let's look at that. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. The concept of diakonos and doulos, of willing servants and slaves, are captured here. When we love God, we do it voluntarily. But when we obey His commandments, we do it because as His slaves, we have to. It's a weird concept, isn't it? But Jesus showed that in his example. We've seen that in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 7. We, we, we saw his humility, his willingness to actually forsake his deity in exchange for his humanity so that he can be in, on earth. But look at verse 8. Philippians 2, verse 8 says, And being found in human form... He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death. 
here in this example, we understand why we need humility. Without humility, we cannot serve. Without humility, we can't go down and dirty and do the stuff that we need to do, that Jesus tells us to do. That's what Jesus did. He was humble enough to be obedient to the point of death. This is what we are called to do as servant leaders. To be a servant and a slave. Now, we said that the essence of our leadership is service. The world is going to think, mm, that's weird. Because to them, if you're the leader, you can't go down and dirty to do the work. Somebody else does that for you. But if a visitor comes here in our midst to see our church and they go, who are the leaders of your church? They only need to see. You understand? They see and they go, who are the people working? Oh, they are the leaders. But can you imagine if our mindset is the fact that we are all leaders, when somebody comes in and they go, see, everybody's working here. It's like a body. Everybody has its parts. Everybody has its job. Everybody is a leader here in this church. And that is, brothers and sisters, that is what Jesus wants us to be. All leaders serving each other, as Jesus has exemplified. Now, there's one more thing that I want to talk to you about. One more element of this servant leadership that Jesus tells us that we have to have. And that is seen in our last uh, verse in our text this morning. Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus here is talking about himself. He's talking about him. I did not come here to be served. I came here to serve so that I can serve people. And I want to focus on that, the many. I want to focus on that term, the people. We humbly serve because of people. When Jesus sees people, when God sees people, he looks out for our own good. There's this active goodwill towards people. He didn't do what he did, sending Jesus here to die on the cross for himself. He did it for us, for people. And you know what active goodwill towards others means in God's kingdom? There's a word for that. That word is this word, love. It agape love literally means active goodwill towards another. Not what I want for you to have is what is good for you. Not good for me, it's good for you. And that's the final ingredient we need to have if we are to serve in this way. If we are to be Christian leaders, focusing on servant leadership, this is what we need to have. Love towards others. Now, let's look back to... Mark 12, verses 29 to 31. Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your, our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What is the reason why we humbly serve? In God's kingdom. The reason is love. If the essence of our 
service, of our leadership is service. And the manner, the, the way that we do that is with humility. Our motivation for doing it is love. Because we love God and we love people. It is going to be so hard for us to serve each other if we do not love each other. We need to love each other. Look at um, what Jesus tells his disciples here. He wants, he wants us to focus our service to each other. Look at this. Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Remember the apostles were doing that, like, you know, vying for number one? If you want to be the best, you need to serve each other. You need to be the servant and the slave for each other. Jesus didn't say, if you want to be great here, it's okay, you just go outside, serve those guys, and come back and you'll be great here. No. We need to be great here by being each other's servants and slaves. It happens here in our family, in our body, in the church. We serve each other here if we are to be servant leaders. But sometimes that's tough, right? Because sometimes, you know, you know that popular adage, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes we get into each other's nerves. Sometimes you don't want to be exposed to each other's dirty laundry. Sometimes we don't want to do, we don't want to serve each other because, ah, I just don't like you, like, you know, sometimes. But we need to love one another. We need to warm ourselves up to serve each other by getting to know one another better, by being in each other's lives. It's like working out. You know, before you do your proper workout, you warm up yourself first so your body is hot and ready to do the work. It's the same thing for, for, for our service to one another. We need to be able to do that. We need to not be afraid to go down and dirty and serve each other. You know, I want to illustrate that one last point with something that you can all relate to, I believe. Even if you don't have kids, you'll relate to this. I have kids, and now that's all I see is kids, right? So, I would like us to really appreciate the fact that we need to love each other before we can go out into the world and love them too and bring them into Christ as well. We need to start here in our church, in our family. And to do that, I would like to ask the question, to illustrate it, how, how, how much do you love your children? How much do you love your children? Before I had kids, I, I didn't re re realize that I would do stuff for my kids <laughs> when I was, before I had them. Like, we do stuff for our kids that we didn't know what we would do. I mean, our kids are, like, gross. <laughs> they're dirty. They're filthy. And we do stuff for them. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. It's probably going to gross you out, but hopefully not. But I'm telling you, we're going to talk about gross things. That's, nothing is grosser to me than throwing up. I'm sorry, but just bear with me on this. It's, I, talking about it makes me, like, queasy. Like, seeing it, if I see somebody do that, like, that's it, I'm gone. I'm going to throw up, too. 
But for some reason, it's even more powerful for me to hear somebody throw up. When I hear somebody throwing up, I can't do it. And then when I smell it, oh no, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm gone. But kids throw up. Do you know my first instinct when I see my, my kids do this? You know what I, the first thing I do? I don't run. I don't cover my ears or close my eyes. You know what I do? This is what I do. That's what I do. I catch their vomit. I don't know why. But that stuff repulses me. But I don't know why I do that. Do you know why? Because I love them. I see how much they're suffering, how much they're like so upset. They're, they're in pain. They're in pain. And I see them and I just want to help them. It's okay. It's okay. You can throw up on me. You can throw up on my suit. You can throw up on my tie. You can throw up in my hand. I will hold your chunks for you. Because I love you. Because I love you. You know what? When we love each other, we extend that hand to each other. It doesn't matter what you suffer from. It doesn't matter what your baggage is. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. How deep in the mire you are. I am here for you, brother. I am here for you, sister. I love you. Servant leadership starts in our church. And again, you're going to hear me say this a lot. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We are family. And in family, you don't just come and eat and run. You know what I'm saying? Do you do that when you go to your parents' place? Do you eat and run? No, you stay a while. You love them. You ask, how can I help? What's going on in this family? How can I serve you? Service. When we lead, we serve. See, the people outside, they think that service negates leadership. They think that if you serve, then you're not really a leader. But no, in the church, in the kingdom of Jesus, service affirms leadership. If you're serving, you must be a leader. And the message today is so clear. Today, the message is, all of us are servant leaders. This is not reserved for elders, ministers, deacons, people who lead in the ministries. It's everyone. If you lead, you're out there showing a good example to people through your example, through your service. And we do it with humility, and we do it because of love. That's the message this morning. And if we can help you to really start your journey to be a servant leader, today is the day. Today's the start. Accept Jesus. The waters of baptism is ready for you. Please come forward as we sing the song of invitation.